Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 61st episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's totally in denial about Amonkhet masterpieces. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. A quick message from our sponsor, Face-to-Face Games. Face-to-FaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on Magic singles and sealed product with shipping to both the U.S. and Canada. Check out Face-to-Face card pricing via MTGPrice.com, whether building your deck or stockpiling a spec. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week is Travis Allen, a.k.a. at Wizard Bumpin', and we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, everybody. Glad to be here and looking forward to another hopefully useful episode of uh, MT- uh, for MTG Fast Finance. Our show is sponsored by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. Travis, break down the agenda for everybody this week, if you would. Oh, sure. This week, we have a show in three segments. Uh, Segment one is our top movers, where we will look at the cards that have seen the largest changes in price over the past week. Segment two is our cards to watch, where James and I will let you know what cards we think will be rising in price. And segment three is our topic of the week. This week we'll be touching on the Amonkhet Invocations, which is the new masterpiece series, as well as some general Amonkhet previews. So let's jump right in on segment one. Uh, James, I know this first one is a favorite of yours, so I will let you start us off. Sure thing. So let's see. Our first big mover of the week was actually my pick from last week. Uh, Eldrazi Temple is uh, up from $10 to $17. I suspect that this is a mix of uh, broad general interest heading into uh, GP San Antonio, where the mixed modern format is probably probably driving some sales of the card for the people that are using the Eldrazi deck, since it fits slots in nicely in between some of the other deck options. Um, and I'm sure that some of you out there, uh, after hearing our discussion last week, ran out and bought a few copies. Uh you know, facing down some supply that was already pretty low. Yep, I, uh, I'm a big fan here. Uh, I've liked Eldrazi Temple for a while as well, um, so not too surprising to see this start to start to move some more. Um, you know, we've seen some pretty some pretty pricey lands in modern, so you know the supply on this is pretty high. But uh, you know, even at 17, there could possibly be some meat left on that bone. I think. Yeah, I mean, is it amazing to me that the uncommon uh, land uh, is the one that ends up making us money on the Eldrazi after I dumped a bunch of money, as I outlined last week, into um, Eye of Ugin masterpieces, um, but, you know, so it goes. <laughs> All right, next up is the Foils of Through the Breach from uh, Champions of Kamigawa. Started the week at about $90. We're showing a price of 250 right now. Um through the Breach is very old. Like I said, Champions of Kamigawa, it's the only printing the card has seen somehow, which is sort of staggering um, that we haven't seen it again. Uh, it kind of sets it up. I think we all kind of expected it in Modern Masters 3 this year. The fact that it wasn't there kind of sets it up for uh, Eternal Masters 2 next year. Um, but I, I said the same thing about 
through the breach in Modern Masters 3 two years ago. So we will see. Um, has not sold any copies at 250 yet. There's really just a guy who listed at that price on TCG Player, uh, but there are no other near mint foil copies. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see this kind of settle in maybe the 125 range, possibly 150. Um, I know pro- people have probably been a little scared to buy foils of this card, expecting a reprint. So perhaps now that it's not here, uh, we'll see a little more upwards motion and as people are comfortable buying. Yeah, I mean, the unique mechanic uh, on the card is part of what keeps it uh, in check, right? You can't just throw a splice card out any old place. Um, And since we didn't see it in MM uh, 2017, Modern Message 2019 is the most likely likely logical reprint time, which gives you some, some breathing room. Um, there, there are some foil copies floating around in Europe that are significantly cheaper if you choose to, uh, throw your net further afield. Uh, and otherwise this is a card to, uh, sell out of and, <laughs> and avoid as a spec. Um, uh, there aren't going to be that many people trying to track down the foils for modern play. Um, the decks that it's played in are not all that popular right now. Um, so if you can get a chance to trade out of this into something that's likely to rise, I think you're doing well. Yeah, it's funny because I see this and it's like, well, even if this is, even if 250 is the quote unquote real price, right? Like that's what this card is going to kind of sell copies at. It will sell so infrequently that it's possible you could get stuck with them uh, by the time the next reprint rolls around because how many people are out there really eager to buy foils of this that don't already have it? You know what I mean? Fair enough. Uh, So what's next? Uh, we've got Seismic Assault Foils uh, making deeper moves. This is the 7th edition one, which is, you know, one of the more desirable sets of foils in the Magic universe uh, because they're black-bordered from a white-bordered set, um, and they, they look fantastic. I have a bunch lying around. Um, the foils for the this edition of the card moved from 25 to 90 That's a $65 upswing. I'm not sure how many are actually selling at that price. Market price still looks a little lower. Um, but that's an over 200% gain uh, on the back of the Swan's Assault uh, meme deck that Saffron Olive made popular a couple weeks back. Did you call it a meme deck? Yeah, there was memes floating all over the place, which is uh, how I'm going to justify the major price movement. The uh, YouTube video that it was featured in got something like 25,000 views, which is uh, significantly more likely to move uh, a card price than something like this podcast. How did it get 25,000 views? Well, the, like what? The, 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 well, first of all, Saffron's very popular, um, so it's not that surprising that he got that many views. There was actually a black-white deck uh, that was featuring um, uh, Plunge into Darkness and Pain's Reward or something that we were talking about uh, last week, the leak, week before. Let me just see what that was. It was, yeah, Pain's Reward, uh, but the Mana Source posted on YouTube, we talked about this with Cliff, um, that had 40,000-plus views, which is why that card went up 800% last week. Jeez. Well, I'm just, did, I mean, were people, extra people watching this because it was a meme, I guess? Is that what was going on I, there? I think, I think that, no, I think that Saffron gets that level of traffic with any uh, interesting deck that he plays. And it turned into a meme because he kept saying, um, uh, hit my swans for two or something like that. Um, gotcha. And it turned, and he said it like up 50 friggin' times in the video and was driving people crazy and it turned into a whole thing. Hit my swans for two, hit my swans for two, hit my swans for two, that type mm-hmm. of nonsense i gotcha i really like seismic assault i I like i don't i don't mean like i like the price i mean i like the card i've always liked the card um i've been trying to make seismic assault and life from the loam work in modern for for a very long time uh 
So it's it's fun to see it finally finally do something. Um, right after the spike, I actually made a comment on Twitter that you really should want to keep an eye on life from the loam too. Um, life from the loam isn't part of the current swans strategy, um, so it's not like it's going to rise because of that. But life from the loam is obviously uh, best friends with seismic assault. Um, and that card is already pretty popular and never has a really deep supply. So I wouldn't be surprised to see life from the low move a little bit just in response to people being a fan of, of, uh, seismic assault. There's been a lot of brewing going on, going on in modern lately. It's actually been a bit of a brewer's paradise. The first part of this year, um, tons of new decks and, and, and retweaks on, on older deck archetypes, uh, in the works. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody start fooling around with life from the low, maybe in some kind of green, white ghost quarter package or something. Um, yeah. uh, and by the way, the meme was hit our swans, draw some cards to clarify. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Seismic assault. Uh, next up is preacher from the dark. Uh, a lot of you aren't going to know what that is. That is not surprising. This was, it is a reserve list card, which should tell you everything you need to know about why it's on our list this week. Um, it's a, uh, it's a three mana one, one white creature where you, uh, you tap it to gain control of a creature of your opponent's choice. So if they only have one creature, you steal that creature, but they get to choose what you get. Not very good against token strategies shows what I see as a cross between like, Elvis Presley and Louis Farrakhan, not Louis Farrakhan, but uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry uh, Falwell. There Jerry we go. Falwell. There you go. Yeah, standing at a standing at a pulpit, yelling. Um, but it's a reserve list card, and it's it's semi playable and like modern. Uh, so or not modern. I'm sorry, EDH, um, which I believe is is kind of where some of the potential demand comes from for this. But it is uh, it is mostly zero supply reserve list card that that really is driving this here. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I'd stay away from it the if you've got some trade out of them (laughs) enough said move on yeah yeah for sure i would not be buying them here um well i'll jump in on this one uh, and then you can finish this off the next card on our list is swans of bryn argol uh from both modern masters and shadow moor um we're looking at foils and non-foil copies started the week at around a dollar it's up around four to five right now this is again part of that swans assault deck that we talked about earlier i like so i'm curious do you like in general, do you like swans or seismic assault more here? And I and I'm gonna I'm gonna outline this question for our listeners by saying that Swans of Brenargol has two printings, Shadowmoor and Modern Masters 2015. So it's only got two, but there's a good uh, a good bit of them out there. Seismic Assault has four printings, but it's Exodus Seventh Edition, Eighth Edition, and Tenth Edition. So a lot older copies. So in general, which one do you think is a little safer for our listeners if they were interested in one of them? I actually think that you sell both at this point. the The odds of these gimmick decks lasting in the format and becoming a real thing um, is relatively low, as we've seen with the Paladin, uh, the Pure Steel Paladin SRAMs deck. Um, when their draws are excellent, they just mow through the competition. But they can get these super awkward draws because they're waiting for specific, you know, four or eight copies of their combo pieces to show up, where they just don't get there. And this thing hasn't won any major tournaments yet. It won a like small time tournament, and then Saffron turned it into a thing. Um, that's the kind of those are the kind of cards that I want to be selling into the hype. And if it shows up on camera at some major event deep in the tournament, then I'll take a look at, you know, how many copies are lying around and how far they've fallen after the initial hype spike to decide whether there's a real play to make. Okay, so let me ask my question differently then. Which one do you think has more supply? Mm, I would guess that overall supply is still higher for Seismic Assault broadly. 
Um, but Assault's print last printing was a lot further back than Swan's last printing, which was in Modern Masters 2015, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in general, less in general, more seismic assaults, but much older. Yeah, I mean, se- seismic was in seventh, eighth, and tenth after being originally reprinted in. I mean, printed in Exodus, which was ages ago. Um, so I mean, after tenth, we haven't seen the card. That that m- means it's in the like middle era of magic um as opposed to swans which has a reprinting you know two years ago okay okay so there's our that for our listeners uh why don't you uh why don't you finish this off for this week then so whenever we get a new set and they spoil the mechanics um in this case cycling for amanquette uh you always get somebody who who jumps into social media and goes, oh my god, there's this card from the first time that this mechanic was a thing. Let's go buy all of them. And hence why Fluctuator, which reduces your cycling costs by two colorless, um, from uh, Urza's Saga, I believe, um, went from $2.50 to $15 overnight. Um, it was a rare from an ancient set that hardly had any supply. Um, card was utterly dead on non-existent demand. Um, and now on the return of cycling, everybody's buying into it. There's a couple problems with that. Um, the first is that um, I don't believe that casuals are super attracted to cycling as an exciting mechanic in the same way that they are attracted to dragons or angels. Um, the second is I don't think that a cycling deck is suddenly going to become a thing in modern unless we get a legendary creature that cycles that uh, in some way makes for a good commander and it sets off a chain of events there. Um it's also possible that Fluctuator just gets reprinted in this set, in which case original copies are not going to be worth $15. It's going to be a 50 cent or dollar rare. Um, and standard demand for the original printing will not be sufficient to drive this price. So absolutely get into this card. Now, I find this, uh, find this interesting. Um, I saw you and, uh, and somebody else arguing, you know, agreeing that this was a terrible spec. And in general... Um, I agree with you that the card is not has no longevity um, and is not. I mean, you know, we're saying that it costs uh, $15, but it is not going to be $15, of course. So the, the ceiling is much lower than it seems. Um, but I'm not I'm not convinced and I'm not saying right or wrong, but I'm not convinced that it's actually a bad spec. And here's why. This is sort of like a greater fool type of thing where, yes, like flux, you know, the return of cycling is not suddenly going to make fluctuator really matter, but it, it doesn't, it kind of is this older question of does it actually have to be good or do we just have to have people think it's good? Um, so cycling returns, you are able to score fluctuators at 50 cents. If you can turn around and sell them for, you know, four or five bucks that are trying to make this a new thing, like, hey, if the deck never pans out, that's fine. The price moved, you can probably get rid of a bunch of copies at, a couple dollars as opposed to the 25 cents you paid. And if it never goes anywhere, that's fine. So like can cards be a good spec, even if they're bad? Um, absolutely they can, but I would be much more interested in something that I thought was going to appeal to the casual magic player. That's going to walk into the shop and go, Holy crap. I didn't know fill in the blank existed. And, and the sales guy's like, yeah, we got a few copies left. You probably want to grab them while you can. Um, I see that being much more likely with something splashy, um, like a planeswalker or a dragon, than I do with an artifact that reduces cycling costs. <laughs> cycling is the kind of thing that spikes like because it decreases variance and and gets them closer to the best cards in their deck. It's not a concept that uh, casuals are going to grasp onto easily, and I don't think that we have the critical mass in EDH, the most important casual format, 
um, to keep the price of this card high. Now, on the other hand, if it doesn't get reprinted in Amonkhet, then any amount of demand will keep it um, uh, floating somewhere far above the 2 or $3 it was when this all kicked off. But I don't think it holds 15 It probably fades back to 8 or 10 or something. And if you... One of the problems with specs, right, is you don't want to get caught holding 60 copies of something you're going to sell one copy a month of at 6 to $8. Like that, that, that's a, that's a sort of a nice steady income, but it takes way too long to get your money back compared to other things you could have put the cash into. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you on that front. Um, I guess, and I, you know, when you talk about the casual who's wandering into the card store, you know, I kind of, you know, oh, look, it makes cycling free. Like they just got all these new cards that say cycling on them. And then suddenly I see this thing that says, wait, I can do this for free. I don't have to pay anything. But I guess, I mean, that's, that's me guessing at what casuals are like and not actually, you know, being that type of person myself, which is uh, pretty difficult at times to, to predict that. So, I I mean, I I think it's it's probably a a reasonable concern at least. Um, Okay. That's a good, that's good information. Uh, Anything else you want to say on on our top cards this week, or should we move on to picks? Yeah, let's move on to picks, and we can talk about some cards that are actually worth pursuing. Okay. Uh, well, I will let you get us uh, get us started. So uh, I have a rare MTGO pick this week. Um, there's a couple things going on on Magic Online right now that are worth taking note of. Um, and it doesn't just apply to this pick. It applies very broadly, and it's a good time to be deploying tickets if you know what you're doing. Um, so here's the deal. Because they're not doing downtime for a while on Magic Online, my understanding is that the redemption program was put on pause. Um, redemption is the ability to take full sets of digital cards on Magic Online and turn them into physical sets, including a $25 shipping and handling cost. Um, a lot of stores stock singles for standard um, on the basis of redeeming Magic Online sets because it's a relatively cost-effective way to do it versus opening boxes. Um, so there's a, a tremendous amount of the magic economy, 20, 30, 40% of that economy is propped up by the process of redemption. Um, you've got super heavy drafters like my dad that redeem two or three sets of every, th- every set that gets drafted. And then you got a bunch of stores that are, that are pulling re- redemption sets to the tune of hundreds or thousands of sets per week or month. Um, with that not going on, prices have fallen on a lot of key staples. Now, the other thing that's going on is Modern Masters 2017 drafts are all the rage. Uh, it's a really good draft format. People don't really like standard right now. And so a lot of money has flowed from um, standard staples over into Modern Masters 2017 drafts. But I suspect that they're going to turn those off in time for Amonkhet so that people will draft Amonkhet. And then uh, if Amonkhet you know, shakes up standard uh, vis-a-vis bannings and or great cards in Amonkhet, um, you can readily expect that there's going to be a bunch of new uh, renewed interest in standard and some of the staples from standard are likely to make a key rebound. Um, so uh, if all of that is true, uh, uh, then one of the cards you might want to be looking at is Walking Ballista. Um, it is by far and away the most played card in standard, um, the number one most played card overall that's not a land. The dominance of the of the deck is such that 72% of online decks at least are playing it, and they're playing an average of three copies. That's a massive Jeez. amount. Um, and that card was, when all of this kind of started, was up around 12 to 14 ticks. Today, you can pick them up at seven ticks. So what that means is that if it gets back to where it was, um, even if it gets up over 10, you're making 30% on the dollar. 
Uh, and that's relatively painless to, you know, buy a few playsets here, a, pl- a few playsets there and pocket 20, 40, $50 worth of profit when all is said and done within the next couple of months and then use that to go do some drafts or buy some cards you need or whatever. Um, there's a couple of things working against, um, this pick. One is that one of the pressures on Walking Ballista will be that it was a rare in Ether Revolt. So through the Kaladesh Ether Revolt drafts, the increased supply of that card over time would also naturally push its price down. Um, however, given its dominance in the format, I think it can countermand that so long as it doesn't get banned out of the format, um, or made irrelevant either by new cards in Amonkhet or by some aggressive series of bannings that are intended to shake standard up. Um, its level of dominance and its play in multiple deck archetypes does give it somewhat of a target on its back. Um, but if you believe that it's going to be around for a while, then this card can likely make you money online. Yeah. So I'm a little curious. I did not, was not aware that they had paused... So there's no downtime. So then, so you're saying they paused? Is it clear that they paused redemption, or that's a that's a guess that they're I, that I, stems from them pausing no, it? No, I know that they paused redemption. I was there was ta- chatter of, about it from the uh, the major bot owners because obviously when there's a shakeup like this, like this in the magic economy, it costs those guys money because you know prior to the shakeup they're buying cards at a higher level right like when ballista was at 14 they were probably buying at 11 or 12 the the margins are fairly small on staples um and so if the bottom falls out then it means it's hard for them to get their profit their profit margin until things correct so they were complaining about it on twitter last week um i sent out a call just to double check with a couple of people um whether that was still ongoing but my understanding is that it's lasting at least a few weeks i don't know the exact date that it's finishing um, but, uh, I'll try to follow up with that in the show notes so that people have the information. Wow. That is, uh, that is interesting. I would not have uh, expected that. Hmm. Yeah. And so, and what, what people want to be looking for then is cards like Ballista that are dominant in their formats, top 10, top 20 cards that haven't been reprinted lately, um, that are falling down just because people are turning their attention to limited formats instead of standard and, and or modern and that are very likely to rise again as liquidity switches the other way. As the Southwood. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I think that's a very interesting pick. Some very great insight. Uh, I thought something to hear. Um, okay. My first pick for this week is a lot less, uh, a lot less exciting, a lot less strategy involved. Um, I went with Bear Umbra from Rise of the Eldrazi. This has been in short supply for quite a while, and I'm kind of surprised that I haven't talked about it before. Um, if I have, feel free to tell me in the show in the comments. Um, Bear Umbra is a creature aura, an aura from the Rise of the Eldrazi. It's a four mana green spell that uh, when the creature deals damage to an opponent. Um, you untap all your lands, so it's like half of uh, sort of feast and famine. So this all this provides some infinite combos with uh, there's that dragon that you can pay seven mana to give yourself another attack phase. It was in Zendikar, so there was actually a two-card infinite combo in Zendikar before Deceiver Exarch showed up. Um, it also plays well with uh, Aggravated Assault. Um, I think that's the one that allows you to pay mana again to attack, so a couple different things. Uh, it's pretty popular. It's in about 3,000 decks on EDA track, which is, which is pretty good for a card of this nature, I think. Supply is real low um, across most major vendors and TCG player. There's one 
printing of it. Um, if you can find copies at five dollars, I'd snap them up. Uh, you know, I think you're probably looking at like between five fifty and seven on a lot of the major internet vendors. But if you can find them for cheaper than that on some of the smaller guys that you know to watch out for that get less traffic, um, that might still have a couple of these floating around, I would grab them because uh, I don't see any reason why this couldn't be double digits. Yeah, a lot of the green commanders run this. Uril the, the Mistdocker, Amanath, Sagarda, Yidris, Rafika the Many, Yasova Dragonclaw, Xenagos Dex. Um, and it's not like one of the top 50 cards in Commander, but it's probably top couple hundred. Um, uh, and certainly probably top hundred in green um, would be my guess. And yeah. it's, it's a unique effect. They can't print it, re- reprint it easily because Totem Armor is a mechanic. They're not going to revisit it, I don't think, anytime soon. Um and uh, there just aren't that many copies floating around. Like it's it's a few dozen copies across all available sources. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out too that I said it's got three thousand copies on EDA Trek right now. Well, so does Vigor, and Vigor is eighteen dollars. Um, and I sold one of those today. So like that card actually moves. Uh, so three thousand is definitely enough to is enough demand basically. Right. Uh, what's next for us, James? All right, so next on my list this week is Death Shadow Foils out of Modern Masters 2017, uh, a set that I've been pretty vocal about uh, warning people away from for the time being. Information I got from vendors this week reinforced uh, on multiple fronts that inventory is still floating out there. Um, Apparently, it's harder to get it from Wizards right now, but the distributor network still has it. Uh, in quantity, and uh, I know a couple of the Midwest vendors I was talking to said they were sitting on cases and cases they hadn't been able to unload yet, um, which does not surprise me given the demographics. The um, uh, Death Shadow is a u- near ubiquitous four of uh, in the format at this point, uh, with uh, several different decks, uh, uh, different configurations of the Death Shadow's decks uh, doing very well. Um, the if you look at the top ten cards in the format on Magic Online, Death Shadow ranks number eight. Uh, played in 10% of plus of decks. Um, and for a foil rare that's played as a four of in a tier one deck, um, $15 foils out of Modern Masters 2017 look really low to me, especially given that the foiling process is essentially, it has been fixed now, um, which hopefully bodes well for things like FTV, by the way. Um, that they were, you know, now that they figured out how to do um, proper foils for small sets, that should be good for supplemental product across the board. Um, and it's certainly good for Death Shadow uh, foils because they have the hologram on them, which marks them as harder to counterfeit versus the original copies that did not have the hologram. Uh, and all of that combined with the fact that very, very few vendors seem to have many copies of this, even on TCG. Most vendors only have one copy, maybe two. Um, says to me that with only 44 listings, uh, if the deck keeps doing well and doesn't get banned out of existence at some point this year, and I, and I don't think that's on the agenda, um, then you could end up getting in around 15 and getting out somewhere near 25 or 30. I, it doesn't seem unreasonable. Um, I know we chatted a little bit this, about this before the show started. Uh, you know, my biggest concern would be that it would get banned. Um, or some component of the deck might get banned because it certainly was looking a little suspicious at one point. But with um, after Gitaxian Probe got banned, I mean, I guess it's, it's completely reasonable to think that this is going to hang around for a while. You know, Modern's certainly diverse enough at the moment that uh, they don't need to be worried about that today. Because there's not a Modern Pro Tour, I'm much less worried about cards that are really, really good but aren't, like, warping the format completely. Um, 
the thing is that there's all sorts of weird little tricks you can do to mess with the decks that are walking that razor's edge. Because the thing with a good Death Shadow deck is you've got to be down in and around four, five, six, seven life, right? That puts you pretty close to a killing blow if people can can get tricky. Um, you know, you you've got to take a lot of risk to get the reward from running a deck that powerful. Um, in, at least in the configurations we've so, seen so far. Um, it certainly bolsters Tarmogoyf as well as a card that is likely to rebound faster at M- MM17 because Goyf um, was traditionally more of a Jund and Abzan card, but now that uh, the Death Shadow builds um, are running it as a full four of alongside Death Shadow um, so that they can take advantage of its pseudo-delirium, um, and especially uh, with Traverse the Ulvenwald and so forth, um, that whole package is just you know one of the highest power levels uh, in the format right now that's not combo-oriented. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it is fair that it's it's not an inherently broken card like Mox Opal or Simmons Spirit Guide. It's just a weird card um, that does something interesting, but it is not an inherently unfair. Okay, my next pick this week uh, was going to be All Is Dust, and, and I got real excited about it until James pointed out that he picked it last week. Uh, so thanks guys. Uh, instead I will replace it with Falminator Mage, um, both Shadowmore and Modern Masters two copies. Uh, this is actually apparently the 10th most played creature in modern, um, which this caught me by surprise. I have always liked this card. I've always been a fan of land destruction. And I remember when it was, when living end was a big deal, it was certainly a bigger part of the format. I didn't realize that, um, it had snuck up to be that level of play. So even if you wanted to bait the 10th place, it's still at least clearly played fairly heavily. Uh, uh, a very strong card, well positioned in the format. Um, it eats Eldrazi temples. It eats Tron lands. Um, it eats Ink Moth nexuses. Uh, there's a lot of utility lands floating around right now that are important for decks. Currently, the card is around thirty dollars, um, but there's very few of them at that price. So, if I'm looking over on any major vendor, Star City, Channel Fireball, those guys, uh, you're going to pay at least forty dollars, and that's if they have them in stock. If I look over on TCG, looks like you might be able to score. The cheapest copy right now is thirty-three. I think actually one of them. I'm pretty sure one of them sold. Yeah, I, I, I just bought it while you were talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there was a $30 copy when I was starting to write this. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's gone now because your your argument is very compelling. <laughs> so so right now you get it for 33 on TCG Player. You might be able to find them a little cheaper if you uh, cast your net wide. Uh, but you buy two play sets and you buy, I'm sorry, you buy a play set, you're at 35. You buy two play sets, you're at 40. And you buy four play sets and there are no, no copies left on TCG Player. So uh, we're very close to 40 already, which is a profit if you pay 30. Um, and I think that, you know, if you look at a card like Noble Hierarch, which is a pretty good uh, blueprint for very playable creature in modern with kind of two modernish modern masters printing and another uh, modern magic printing um you know we could see prices in the 50 to 70 range uh on fulminator mage depending on how things go so i'm not expecting 70 but i do think this could pretty clearly be 45 to 55 yeah, I, I'm on board completely. The, the inventory is just too low for a card that is in the top 10 creatures in modern right now. Um, and so long as Tron is in its dominant position and knocking the Eldrazi decks off an Eldrazi temple is valuable. And as you said, both the Infect decks and the uh, Affinity decks have dangerous lands that can attack you in the air that need to be taken care of so that they don't carry a whole bunch of Ravager counters over for the win. Um, there's a lot of good reasons to be killing lands right now and Fulminator Mage does that very well 
Uh, okay. So, uh, oh, I wanted to mention, I forgot to mention this. We were talking about Dust Shadow. Uh, I sold, so I was on vacation last week. Um, I came back um, on like Monday night and I turned my TCG player inventory back on. And when I woke up Tuesday, every single watery grave I had sold. So there are definitely people out there <laughs> who want to play that deck. Uh, so there you go. Just throw that in for you. Fair enough. Um, people should also probably take a look at the uh, Making Money in Modern uh, series that I'm writing on MTG Price. Um, just unlocked the second in that series that outlines some of the cards that weren't printed that'll make you money. Fulminator Mage was on that list. Um, and I think that's a great pick, Travis. Oh, thank you. All right, so next on my list is Expropriate Foils out of Conspiracy Take the Crown from last summer. Um, this is an increasingly uh, important and powerful card uh, in EDH circles. Um, this uh, card essentially makes everybody at the table in your EDH game uh, vote time or money. And for each time vote you get, you take an extra turn. And for each money vote, you choose a permanent they own and gain control of it. So it's a haymaker finisher, custom suited for commander. Um, and we're seeing this over and over again in these summer sets uh, that the foil mythics you know, Dak Faden, Leovold, Expropriate can go sky high um, when there's just not that much of the product opened. Um, and until this thing sees a reprinting, and my guess would be it will end up as a judge foil at some point, um, these foils are looking pretty tasty. Um, there's very few of them lying around. Um, you can get in on a few copies below 40 right now. Um, I, I just sourced a bunch of them last week at 32. That opportunity is already gone. Now you're talking 35 to 40. And I think it's going to end up in the 50 to 60 zone pretty shortly here, given the available inventory. Well, you, uh, this, is this going to be the third time you've dipped in on this card? Cause like you, didn't you call expropriate and then foil expropriate a while ago? Yeah, Am I think. Crazy? I think around the time I was buying Leovold foils, um, I was also buying some expropriate. I can't remember if it was foils or non-foils. Um, but uh, all I know is inventory is low enough that I was confident to go in on the close to 30 pricing, um, expecting that we're going to hit 50, 60, somewhere not too far down the road. That's that's funny, actually, that you're <laughs> three times on the same card. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's so few copies of this, and we're not going to see it again anytime in the near future. Uh, so it seems seems good to me. Um, okay, uh, I will finish off my week with Ad Nauseam from Alara. This is another one that I thought I had talked about on our show, but apparently not. Um, this is only got one printing in uh, Alara. It is currently about seven seven fifty, um, but I think this is easily a fifteen to twenty dollar card down the road. Uh, it's part of the uh, deck of the same name, um, ad nauseum, and there's uh, which is basically the the best I'm going to say real combo deck in modern right now. Uh, there aren't a lot of other decks that are truly truly combo uh, floating around at the moment. Um, this has like zero interaction as opposed to stuff like Valakit or Abzan combo or Dredge, which are which are combo-esque. Uh, Ad nauseum is, is pure combo. Um, and it's been doing better now that Infect has kind of faded from the format with the Gitaxian uh, Pro Ban. That was always one of its biggest predators. So with Ad nauseum, the deck better positioned right now, supply on the card Ad nauseum very low, um, and part of basically the best combo deck. 
no additional copies on the horizon just dodged mm3 we have a while before we'll see it again uh you know i think this is this is a 15 or 20 dollar card uh in the not too far future just because you know if you want to play a real combo deck this is basically where you're starting yeah, I mean, one of the things that cautions me about combo cards in Modern is that I think that uh, a deck like Burn um, is much more likely to uh, make up more of the average local meta just because it's easier to get into and play um, than, than any specific combo deck. Um, they tend to appeal to a very small subset of uh, uh, the play community, um, and... Uh, it's not the kind of deck, even if it does well and wins a tournament, that's likely to turn a bunch of people onto it and, and have them run out and buy it. Now, that being said, people are still playing the deck. And like you said, there's very few copies around. And this does not seem like the kind of card this is going to get thrown into any kind of random supplemental product. And we're not getting a supplemental product this summer that, um, that where this could show up, um, for any, any decent reason, which means that, probably not for at least a year maybe two maybe longer and um, before this card reappears and and that could easily as you said see it become a 15 to 20 dollar card yeah and I, and I think part of that is that you know i've always been a combo player but i have never wanted to play burn so you know i i, I respect your idea you, you you think look at it in the sense of if you want to play a deck that doesn't interact neither does burn it's much cheaper to play but i'm not I think that, that that burn generally has a very um it certainly has a perception uh that that people have of it. So even though they function they may function fairly similarly, um I think a lot of people who want to play combo decks are not going to want to play burn essentially. I, I think what I'm really saying is that there's just aren't people enough people smart enough to play good combo decks well. Um <laughs> and I think they appeal to people that are highly intelligent and solve puzzles well. Um, and can think a few moves ahead. And that's not everybody. Some people just want to go and like throw dragons in other people's faces and, and smash for, smash them over the head with lightning bolts. Um, so I, I, I just think that the, the, if you took all of the combo decks and compared that to just the burn players, it's probably about the same amount of players total in modern. As a diehard combo fan, I think that the more accurate description is, combo players want to feel intelligent <laughs> i think it's a better better way to put it <laughs> well i i have certainly seen people screw up their ad nauseum and kill themselves while i was staring crossing from the table fully tapped out so um <laughs> sure yeah i i can i can see that um there even over in europe there are very few copies of this card that looks like i can get them my hands on them profitably um so that that says to me that the the overall inventory globally is just low and i like this pick yeah well it's been a sorry it's been a combo deck in the format for a long time um so it's not like this is new on the horizon uh and people are suddenly getting into it like it's been around forever right Um, i mean single printing of the card right so the the who the people that are playing and that do move in on the deck are drawing down on original inventory from 10 years ago Okay, so uh, we weren't going to talk about the metagame we can review. I just want to touch very briefly on um, a couple modern leagues and a few other things I was looking at today. Uh, you know, we talked about Seismic Assault and Swans earlier. Uh, we talked about Pure Steel Paladin Retract Cheerios uh, like a month or two ago and various other decks. I'm not really seeing any of them. Um showing up in these constructed leagues. So a lot of these combo of these kind of cool new decks in modern just really haven't been uh, showing up too much. Um, 
So, you know, keep that in mind when you're looking at this stuff, especially when you, if you have any of these cards, make sure you're getting out fast and furious because it is so unlikely any of them are really going to turn the corner. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, so why don't we hop into the topic of the week, which everyone on Twitter has been eager to discuss. Uh, <laughs> so... I'm sure if you've turned on social media within the last couple of days, you've heard, gotten an earful about this. The Amonkhet invocations have been released. They are <clears throat> polarizing. So, uh, and also an interesting assortment of cards. There doesn't seem to be any clear theme here. Um, we know that we saw lands with expeditions and artifacts with inventions, but this appears to be cards that they thought they could do good art for that would fit thematically in Amonkhet, I guess. I mean, we have spells, we have creatures, we have, uh, I think there's even, yeah, we have an enchantment. Um, Certainly, certainly polarizing on the design, which I think is going to uh, impact some of the desirability here in a way that we didn't see with the inventions. And James, I know you've got a lot in your head about this. So why don't you share with us? (laughs) I don't even know where to start. The, uh, Okay, so let's let's go start with the topic of um, the theme itself. So this is clearly top-down design. They said, okay, so we don't just want these masterpieces to be disassociated from the plane because Kaladesh was a was a plane that was all about invention, and so it was an artifact plane, and so their masterpieces were artifacts. That all made perfect sense. So now you're on a plane that is essentially like Theros, but it's in Egypt. Um, so it's all about the gods. And, and so, um, I, I suspect that there was some discussion about whether these are masterpieces that, uh, as I thought they would be, were related to Nicol Bolas. I thought we were going to get blue, red, black masterpieces only. I assumed that they were going to be incense and sorceries, um, only, and that that would be kind of like reflective of, uh, Bolas's role as the god pharaoh on the plane. And these are the, the, the spells that he has, uh, learned or coveted and and collected over the years and it's kind of like bolus's treasure trove or something was what i was expecting instead we got this thing called invocations which is actually not related to bolus at all it's related to the gods that exist on on amonkhet um that so far seem independent of bolus um it's it's unclear on whether he's their ruler or leader or what the story is um uh but the so they chose a bunch of cards that they thought sounded like things that the gods would gift upon you if you were praying to them, right? So what an invocation is, it's something that the gods bestow upon you. So that's an interesting theme as a top-down approach. But the problem is that the end result of that is a mishmash of cards. You got all sorts of cards. You got sorceries and instants and creatures and whatever. It's just like any other set. Um, a couple of enchantments thrown in there. The one notable exclusion, um, though, except for a couple of uh, gold cards, is there's no green invocations here for reasons that have not yet been explained to us. Um, and it's a bit weird which cards they chose, because you've got some, like, perennial all-stars, like Force of Will, you know, who doesn't want to own a cool Force of Will? Um, Dark Ritual is an all-time classic. Attrition's a big EDH card. Um You've got some really cool, powerful band cards like Mind Twist that are more for cubers. So it's a mishmash of cards that would be wanted from different segments of uh, the playing population. But they, a lot of these are not super high demand cards for um, formats 
uh, that see a lot of play. So, you know, I think the, probably the two most popular formats right now are probably um, overall uh, standard and EDH, even though standard is uh, in a bit of a lull. Um, and then after that, probably modern. Uh, I was expecting to see a stronger contingent of, you know, modern legacy EDH playable cards than we see here. Um so that that that's awkward, but I you know I can live with their card choices. Um, I'm much more concerned with the the design of these cards. I mean, what was your impression when you first saw them? Uh, I I saw one of them on Twitter and I thought it was a joke, and then I saw a lot of people sharing it. I'm like, oh my god, these are real. You know, it's. I saw somebody describe it as they had the distance for a home run, but it went foul. Which I thought was a which I thought was a good way to describe it. They clearly tried. Uh, I really like that they're reaching, that they're trying to do something dramatically different. Uh, I like that a lot more than just kind of magic cards with a little bit of a tweak to them. Um, for instance, I thought the inventions were kind of cool, but didn't really go far enough. Uh, but the end result here is pretty brutal. Uh, Days I thought in particular was essentially illegible. Uh, even if you know that it says days, it is difficult to read that card. Um, the yeah, mana I mean, costs are, are hidden. Hmm? Keep going. I, I just, they're, they're, so I love the Phyrexian Elish Norn. I think that is awesome. And I own one and I love it. But it works because there's only one of them. Because Elish Norn is easy to understand. Uh, because it still looks like a magic card. Uh, and it's extremely rare so it's not going to be encountered that often it's just and and you can tell when you look at it that it's not supposed to be english right but with this you're like okay i see english words so am i supposed to be able to read the other words on here oh also the elshorn has the same art so it's recognizable by that so you just you lose all of that on these cards i just i liked i liked the attempt i didn't think it came out very well there's been a million um attempts at these on twitter people kind of reimagining them in the hopes maybe that those will be real instead uh i saw one in particular that i really liked that was looked more like a flat etched tablet that i thought was great that i retweeted um and i'm like damn this would have been way cooler because this is very egyptian to me um you know you know those sort of chisels those flat two-dimensional drawings um on rock walls while still being completely legible whereas this is uh, i'm not clear what this is I mean, here's the thing. There's a reason that every picture hanging in everybody's house is listening is framed simply, usually with a black, relatively thin frame, so that it provides the eye from sliding off the art that is that is framed within it, but contains the art and, and provides structure and allows you to focus on the beauty and majesty of that art that you selected to hang in your home. These frames are so busy. There is so much visual kibble going on, um, all sorts of little doodads that they are, uh, not only are they only, you know, vaguely reminiscent of the architecture of the time because, um, the architecture of the time was actually much more simple to see this kind of composition of this many visual elements would actually have been quite rare. So it's not like it's even truly representative. Not, not to mention that they shouldn't be drawing directly from ancient Egyptian culture anyway. They should be borrowing, you know, a, occasionally from it, as they, I think they su- relatively successfully did with Kaladesh, where they yeah. were kind of referencing the South Asian cultures without really saying, you know, this is India. They said, this is kind of steampunk meets India. Here's the thing that comes out of that. Um, whereas I feel like so far the 
Amon Ket just basically looks like a fantasy version of Egypt. Um, and, and like the schmaltzy version of Egypt from the 1950s movies where, um, you know, everybody was walking around with pharaoh hats on. The, uh, I, I didn't like the fonts. I think they are too reminiscent of this font called Papyrus. Papyrus. Which in the graphic design industry is, you know, uh, kind of infamous for being overused and used incorrectly and being, you know, vaguely racist because it, 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 it suggests that, um, you know, Egyptian culture was spelling their words in this way when in fact they, they didn't even use letters. So to make your letters vaguely hieroglyphic is all sorts of stereotypical and kind of silly, um, at best. Um, I also think that the, the cards that are, that the way they did the color cues adds to the busyness of the cards. Um, and especially for the, the white and blue ones and the red ones, um, where I don't think the, those colors with the tan work particularly well at all. The cards that look best to me are the black cards that are using the black gold tan palette that I can actually get with. Um, when I started putting together mock-ups of my own because I was so motivated by how bad these were to try to fool around with it, um, uh, I felt pretty comfortable in that palette, but I wanted the, the overall frame to be much thinner, to be more minimalist, to fade into the background and allow the art to shine, especially because so much of the art that was tabled here is absolutely excellent. Yeah. This might act, this might actually be the best set of art of any of the masterpiece series. And unfortunately, they got the frames that show it off the worst. I feel like every card that has one of the gods looks terrible like the art does and every t- art that doesn't have a Phyrexian or uh, one of the gods is awesome. I, I actually agree with that. And I think part of the problem is that the, the gods are kind of uh, the conceptualizations of how these gods are represented seems a little lazy to me um, creatively and intellectually. Uh, it, it looks like what I would expect to see in a, a recap of the mummy or uh, in the X-Men apocalypse movie that we got last year. Like it's, it's drawing from that scene or, or even uh, Stargate, like old Stargate designs is, is what this reminds me of um, for people that watch that show in the nineties. The, um, and they could have done, they could have gone a different direction. They could have done more with that. I mean, these are just anthropomorphized, um, you know, God masks is essentially the way that they're playing out to me. Um, and, and I don't understand why they went with super thick frames and smaller than average art portals when they could have gone not full art, because I think you need to be able to print text on, on the card, but full art with a more minimal, um, uh, text box so that these things would really feel, um, dramatic that they would have emotional resonance and impact when you're viewing them. They would feel like the, the, blessings of the gods called down upon you um you know i put together a version of black dark ritual that really like featured that art and one for wrath of god that wrath of god art if you look at the big version of it that's posted online is incredible and you can't see at all that all the little things in that art are tens of thousands of bodies that's they've got to be reprinting that at some point like they're going to stick that in a commander set or something just to be able to put that art in a real frame yeah, I mean, the, it, it, it's bonkers to me. The, the, and uh, I'm not the only one. Like, people were arguing with me that they loved these. Um, it doesn't surprise me, no matter what design thing you're talking about, people will think it's subjective and that their opinion is equally valid. But the good user, uh, you know, this isn't just about the aesthetic and whether you connect to the aesthetic. Um, this is also about usability, as you said. These cards are not legible from across the table. 
any blue one of these blue counter spells you open and try to play in a deck in a limited format, they're going to have to pick it up and read it. There, there's no way they're going to they're going to remember which one it is. It's, and, I, so I saw I saw one of the splashes of these get posted in like our Facebook chat. And uh, it was nine of them together at once. And I clicked on the photo on my phone and I glanced at it and I started to read the name of the first card. And I'm like, I can't do it. It is just easier to read the text box and figure out the card than it is to actually read the names of the cards. And there was, there was eight, there was eight masterpieces and there was a ninth card. It was this one of the Spanish cards in the normal frame that got leaked as well. And I'm like, I can read that perfectly. Like uh, next to a normal magic card, I can 100% read that at the size. But all of these, I cannot read the name of the card. I just have to read the text box. Diabolic Intent, which is a weird choice, by the way. Um, I, I, I made out the word Diabolic, couldn't easily read the second one, and assumed the card must be Diabolic Edict. And since they have the same casting cost, I doubt I will be the last person to assume that. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's already, a, there's already a, a meme running rampant in social media for days where they, there's like a picture of a guy trying to figure out how to fill out a CAPTCHA, and the CAPTCHA image is the day's uh, uh, text box. I mean, this is ridiculous. I, I don't understand how this got out the door. I get how this ended up being an option on the table. You know, they had a bunch of them up on screen and they were talking about the pros and cons. And I get how somebody argued fervently for this. I don't understand how they actually selected it. Did you see that one comic that popped up? The uh, the tips from Anubis comic? Yes. That one is amazing. That was that comic was is not new. Like that comic's been around forever and I loved it the first time, but when they shoved the the, the invocations in his hand, it was really just top notch. Uh yeah, the whole thing the whole thing is like a play on the old like kind of like nineteen fifties bubblegum shop comics where they would have these ads where like a superhero would give you advice and the whole thing here is that an Egyptian god giving advice would be in the form of hieroglyphs in a comic. And so if you don't speak hieroglyph, then you don't have a fucking clue what the guy's saying. And, you know, to, to, to tie that in to this as a meme makes perfect sense and is brilliant. So here's the other thing. You know, it's, as I said, people were arguing that they like these. Um, but I ran a poll. Um, it's running for 24 hours on Twitter. We've got 328 votes so far. And the question was, do you intend to purchase or acquire Amonkhet masterpieces? And the 78% said no. I mean, that is, pretty damning all right well hold on because i have a few i have a few more thoughts here too before we get too far down this path um the first is is that i just want to go on record that heron god is awful like the other ones are passable but the heron one looks so dumb so dumb i can't shake it uh the second i'm I'm assuming it's an ibis but sure i I follow the bird thing the the bird thing because head is clearly too small for its body uh so hmm so let me ask you this question. Take a look at the Vindicate art. Like, just look at the card. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell me what's happening in that card. So as that, best as I can tell, that is the cat god and the... I think that's supposed... That's not the crocodile god, is it? Or is that the the dog god? <laughs> it's one of the gods whose, whose head isn't really a head who are zapping lasers at something that's dying. Yeah. It's actually super fucking cool art when you see the big version. Uh, because the white god is shooting a white bolt, and the black god is shooting a black bolt, and Vindicate is a white black card. Yeah. So they are they are combining their powers to take down that creature, which just looks like a blob because the artist is so minimalized in that frame that you have no idea what the creature is or really whether or not there's a second god in the picture at all. Yeah, they did it with Maelstrom Pulse too. I actually don't care for those for the artwork on either of those, but I can understand the the idea behind it. I thought it was a cool concept with not great execution. Um, 
Yeah, what god is that supposed to be, by the way? Is that that's the black one, right? So is that is that the crocodile? Uh, let me just look that up because I, I, I had the, that. The blue is the right bird, the green is the snake, the white is the cat. I think the red is the dog, which would make the black one the crocodile. It does not look like a crocodile to me. Yeah, I think he's kind of like uh, – I, I had the full version of the art uh, that I found on uh, artofmtg.com, I believe. Mm-hmm. Let me just pull that up. So the other thing that I wanted to touch on before we get too far into the price section of this because I know everyone wants to know our opinion as art critics um, – what was the name of that font you said this was? Uh, Papyrus is the font that is much maligned in the graphic design industry. Papyrus. Okay. Papyrus. Okay. All right. So, uh, I, yeah, I, on the other topic, um, you know, are people going to buy these? Uh, I, I'm not surprised that a lot of people said no. Um, I think out of that 78%, like this, this is of course a Twitter poll, like the, you know, you'd have to go of that 78%, how many bought expeditions or inventions, right? Cause not everyone cares for these at all. And I think even then some of the people who say, no, they won't acquire some of these might end up with one and decide to keep it. Um, because they are different and distinct and unique. And even though they're not necessarily as pretty as the other ones, uh, they're still interesting and rare. Um, and I wouldn't mind honestly having a set of these for my various EDH decks, but I would have them knowing that they're uglier. Like, you know what I mean? Like I would prefer, you know, a foil seventh edition wrath of God is my wrath of God of choice, but like, I would almost play with this one just cause it's goofy and different. Um, you know, I'd want to have both also foil seventh edition wrath of gods are like $400. So. Yeah, so Ra- Rachel Agnes Baytog uh, of U- Vintage Super League is is uh, launching her first article uh, on MTG Price tonight, and uh, we were talking about you know whether she was going to acquire any of these, and she was pointing out that you know some of these are the our first foil printing, so like Mind Twist is the first foil, and so people that have all foil cubes will want it, um, and you know there there are going to be people that you know there's even if it doubles from twenty to forty. Uh, th- that means there are some people that will buy these cards. However, um, we should probably turn our attention to the pre-order prices that are up on Star City Games. So, <laughs> what do you th- what do you think of Force of Foil Force of Will from Almond Cat at three fifty? You know, if this was the first one of these, I'd be like, oh, that actually sounds cheap. But we already had the Judge promo and the Modern Masters edition copies, which can come uh, in foil. Eternal Masters. Eternal Masters. Eternal Masters. It will be in Modern Masters. The Eternal Masters copy there foil, which, so this, at 350 for this, I mean, I mean, I guess they're reaching for the stars. They're hoping to catch the people who absolutely love this frame and also want to spend $1,500 on a set of Force of Wills. Uh, I guess, I mean, sure, go for it. <laughs> Whatever. Let, let me put it to you this way. You can get a Judge promo foil with, with the the second best art uh, for Force of Will uh, for the same price as they're trying to get for this one. Um, I, I don't buy for a second that the people that play Legacy, where Force of Will is important, are going to like this better than the Therese Nielsen Eternal Masters foil Force of Will, um, especially given that that one can be had in Japanese. Um, which will not be true of the Amonkhet cards. So this, there's no way that this occupies the most pimp uh, edition of Force of Will, and that's a huge failing for the masterpiece to burn the masterpiece version of that card now. Yeah, I, I mean that is fair. The, the Therese Nielsen's copy of Force of Will are, was quite good. Um, the Judge one is also very solid, and this just feels so far away. Uh, especially because it's that god awful 
Ibis God who just looks so I can't get over how bad that one looks. At least the other ones make sense. By the way, in the Vindicate and Maelstrom Pulse art, it is a crocodile, but he's got his head turned up with his chin to the viewer, which is why it's so difficult to figure out what you're looking at. So somebody somebody mentioned on Twitter they're like, "Oh yeah, I don't know what you guys are complaining about. Like if I was asked to do like the best version of Force of Will ever, I would totally go with a a giant bird dancing at a rave under a smoke machine." <laughs> yep. You've been handed one of Magic's most iconic cards. Let's yeah. make it as dumb and temporal as possible. Definitely don't want that to persist over a couple of years. And and to be fair to oh. the artists, they were almost certainly, because they're called Invocations, and this was top-down design, they were handed yeah. descriptions from the art director. If oh, that, yeah. There's no way they had a choice. And, and it's not like he could... You know, once you're handed the th- thing that says you're depicting the Ibis God casting Force of Will, you have only so many options. Um... And and that was that. So that's the only one over 100 right now. Um, they've got Cryptic Command up at 100. Uh, Containment Priest is next at 80. Mind Twist at 80. No way does that last. Uh, counter, counterbalance at 70. Um, there's no way that this is the preferred version of Counterbalance. Um, somebody's going to say, well... Uh, no. I, actually, I don't even buy that. I, I, I can't see the miracles players wanting this card it would look so out of out of sync and that's one of the other issues right is even if you like these cards you cannot make the argument to me that when you as fan them with your other cards they're going to fit in the slightest with whatever deck you're playing okay wait hold on for miracles players you get divert spell pierce stifle uh days let's see they're not playing that one force of will counterbalance counterspell so, Pact of Negation, Cryptic Command. May, you know, you could build a pretty healthy-looking uh, uh, Miracles deck there. Uh, if, you look at, God. If, you, if you look at a Miracles list, you're still only, like, at most a third of the way there. And yeah, and and it actually gets worse. I think if you're only running, like, if only your counterbalances are this super weird frame, um, then, okay, so be it. But if it's half your deck, then your as fan looks like you're playing two totally different games at once. Uh, a lot of magic players are OCD. They don't like things to be like to look different in play or in their hands. Um, and I think that's going to be a big minus for these cards. Like even to slide these into a cube, unless your cube is uh, built around the concept of oddities. Um, I, I just don't see this happening. That might be one of the more um, interesting points here is that they don't look like magic cards and that's entirely a feel you can't measure that but inventions expeditions um future site borders all of this weird stuff still mostly feels like magic cards this is the first time where you're like this doesn't look like magic like i could totally buy this being a different game well i mean people, um, people have been saying it looks like Yu-Gi-Oh cards which yeah. were heavily egypt themed early on um and and i agree I and mean, some guy like ran a, a cheeky google search and said you know drop the mic and said this is my only comment and it was just a picture of the google search where he inserted one of the masterpieces and asked google to match it visually to other images and it came up all Yu-Gi-Oh! So I mean that that's math, people. That's <laughs> that's the algorithm figuring out what these cards look like, not my personal opinion. Right. Okay, so doubling back to the prices, this is this is gonna be interesting because it will be a test of how cheap can uh, masterpieces get. 
you know, this is this is going to be kind of the bottom of the barrel, I think. Um, Expeditions might not have been the prettiest, but they were all very useful cards. Uh, Inventions had that had a pretty solid border, and people generally liked them. There are a lot of cards here that are of mediocre interest, and also clearly the worst frame, and probably the worst frame we'll have for a while. So, you know, what is the floor on these? Uh, you know, is Mind Twist going to be a ten dollar invocation? Um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, we've seen $20 uh, Aether Revolt uh, and Kaladesh masterpieces. Um, things like Champion's Helm, Black Vice have gotten down that low. Um, so, yeah, I expect some of these to get pretty low. Given that Cryptic Command and Force of Will both have excellent Judge Foil options, I don't think that these can exceed those. Um, Containment Priest has not played nearly enough, even in Legacy, to justify an $80 price tag. Mind Twist might be interesting for some cubers, but it's going to come down. Um, Counterbalance can't hold that price. Uh, I, I think that some of the cards that are most interesting t- uh, to me that financially that, that could be uh, worthwhile is the Days art, because it has a really lovely um, blue around the birds and on the lake um, uh, and a golden sunset in the picture. The overall palette of that card works really well. Um, so I think the Dazes might be in demand. The Wrath of God art is fantastic, and uh, the the art uh, works with the palette of the frame reasonably well. I think the Wraths will sell. Um, the Counterspell art is... Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Artists seem to have trouble figuring out how to do a really great um, Counterspell art. They just... they they always have choose angles that are less dramatic than they could be. And if you compare the Eternal Masters Force of Will by Therese Nielsen to, say, the Counterspell in the Amonkhet in, in, Invocations, there's there's no question which was more dramatic. Um, the, the Pact of Negation is just a big blur. Um, that didn't work out so well either. You've got your Heron God um, putting up a Force Shield... Um, and still being surrounded by fire in Spell Pierce. I'm not too excited there. I think the Dark Ritual looks relatively nice. Um, the black cards in general, I think, look best because of the, the black, tan, gold palette, as I said, is, is the, is the winner out of what we've seen so far. Um, anything else jumping out at you? Yeah, the Entombart, the Entombart's great. Nah, Command is so bland. So is Aggravated Assault. Stifle, not really. Speaking to me, divert man, divert is really bad. Yeah, I agree with you that days is generally the best one here. Um, I like pact of negation a little more than you do, but not like tremendously. So, uh, you know, I will I will give some amount of credit where credit is due here. If you are looking at this on Mythic spoilers um, or a lot of other websites, it is actually most of these images are slightly blurrier than they are uh, than the real card is. Um, so if you're on the Mythic Spoiler page, if you look at Consecrated Sphinx next to Counterspell, you can clearly see that the Counterspell is much more um, artifacted, um, which helps a little bit. So they're not as bad as they seem. But yeah, I, I agree. So, so, most of the art most of the art is cool, but a lot of it doesn't fit with the border. And if you had just put them in standard magic borders, it would look a lot better. I have a feeling what I'm going to do here is I'm going to keep working on the border that I was designing. Um, and I'm going to end up printing a proxy deck of like a cool black, old school black deck or something with the way I wish these frames had been. And I'll, I'll call that a day in terms of my collecting of Amonkhet masterpieces. Um, but some people will buy these. Uh, 
the I would not run out and buy any of these at pre-order prices. This is absolutely a set that, given the level of negativity, um, which will shift over time, one of the things about graphic design is if you expose people enough to the same thing over and over again, it becomes the norm, and their brains will just get used to it. But keep in mind that you can get used to banner ads in the same way. So um, that's going to lead to more people being into these a month from now. More people will be into these once they see them in person. More people will be into these once they've opened one and felt special for five seconds. Um, but... I would recommend selling into any hype that develops uh, in a hurry because most of these cards don't have strong enough demand profiles, even if the cards were great, um, for this to be a really strong masterpiece set. And there are, I, I still think, many better options in the Ether Revolt and Kaladesh masterpieces that are still underpriced. Things like Soul Ring, things like Chromatic Lantern, um, uh, things like Mana Crypt and Mana Vault, things that are going to be EDH staples forever that everybody agrees were fantastic representations of the cards uh, in question um, that are already at low supply that I would be throwing any amount of money towards these until I see how this all plays out. Yeah, and the word you're looking for, get used to in a bad way, is inured. And I know that because I have become inured to a great many things. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, enough. so... so uh, there you go. I mean, we are going to see the floor on masterpieces with with these. Um, and, and and the really sad thing here is this isn't the last time we'll see these because this is a two set block. So ooh, we're, yeah. we're we're not we're not getting another stack of these in a different frame until the fall. Um, and here's the other problem: if they liked this, now can we trust them for what they're going to do in Azatlan, which we know is their like it vaguely Atlantis themed thing in the fall, um, which would also be the kind of uh, theming that might lead to gaudiness like this. There are going to be round cards and look like a bubble and you will not be allowed to play them. <laughs> I was thinking they come with cellophane over top of them so that you can't really see what you're playing with and you have to play a guessing game. It's like a sub game, a game within the game. The other thing they could do is they could force us to download an app and then scan a barcode and then the app would tell you what the card was. Ooh, they could replace it with uh, a small, smaller packet of water in the pack <laughs> that rips open when you open your pack, so your cards just get wet when you open. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, the, and, masterpiece. And, and the cards are waterproof, but they look more realistic because there's droplets <laughs> of water on them. Yeah, there you go. We 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 nailed it. The cards that show up in, in uh, Atlazan packs will be waterproof, and they will get wet when you open the booster pack, and you'll be really impressed with that. They will also not be legal. <laughs> yeah. Or we could just do this crazy idea, which which was echoed by most of the graphic designers that stepped up and, and pro-offered a hasty frame um, over the course of the last couple of days. You could just do this. You could have a relatively minimalist frame with as close to full art as possible, you could choose excellent art and you could choose cards people are dying to own. Yeah, that's that's uh that's a little little out there for me. <laughs> I, I I mean I think we did this relatively well in the first two sets. Some people didn't really love the the Zendikar uh frames. I actually liked them just fine. Um and I thought the the masterpiece frames were a little gaudy when I first saw them, but I've 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 grown a little more used to them mostly because they still allow the art to breathe. Um uh these not so much and uh, I I just don't want to own them. I wonder now they're not that bad. I was going to say, I wonder if Wizards will implement some sort of like redone masterpiece set and like you can send these in and they'll swap it one for one. No way. By the amount of 
work that would take and nope. the resources and they are not hated enough nope. that that would really happen. No, people are going to say they're sweet when they've held them in their hands because uh, somebody was trying to argue to me that the whole point here is to is the depth, like the 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 sense of perspective they gave by adding depth to the frame. Um, I'm sorry, but that is not in and of itself uh, a super valid goal. And only some of the art works with that anyway. If you look at the art like Stifle or Containment Priest, they are d- looking down long hallways. And so that whole depth effect uh, comes into play. But a lot of the other art is quite flat. Um, in which case the, the three dimensional frame is, is just further distracting you from what was already, you know, rather, rather innocuous art. Um, overall, it's just a huge fail for me design wise and, and makes me question the design instincts of the current art direction team. Yeah, man, those uh, those rock wall etchings where like the, if the entire the entire card would have looked like an etching on a rock wall would have been so cool. The art would have been so distinct too because it wouldn't have been standard magic art. <sighs> that would have been awesome. Okay, let's wrap this up. Enough complaining about invocations for a while. Uh, so, where can our listen- oh go ahead? Oh, hold on. Uh, just before we go there, there there was a few other reveals today. So Avon Mind oh, Sensor okay. is getting a reprint. Um, it was originally printed in Future Sight. Future Sight was supposed to be a bunch of cards that were from the future. So now we have seen where Avon Mind Sensor came from. Um, the answer to that was Amonkhet. Um, this is a, actually a card that's probably most important as a reprint in Frontier, where it does all sorts of nasty things all of a sudden, um, messing with people when they're casting collected companies and messing with people's fetch lands and et cetera, et cetera. But if you aren't playing Frontier in one of the 10 cities in North America where that happens, then you aren't going to care. Um, however, the art's amazing, and I think that the foils will be fantastic because it's got the glowing eyes on a badass-looking bird wizard. And uh, he's carrying a vaguely uh, Nicol Bolesque uh, weapon of some sort, um, which is emanating glowing fire, which uh, I think is going to look excellent. Um, there was some talk. Somebody asked me on Twitter today before we came on about whether Prowling Serpopard, <laughs> which is a weird name. Uh, this is a cat snake creature. So apparently you can mix a cat and a snake and get a creature. And get a Serpopard. It, yeah, you get a Serpopard. <laughs> uh, i'm sure they dipped into some latin uh to pull that out of their ass and uh i question the choice but anyway it's a one double green for a four three which is pretty solid stats um and it can't be countered and creature spells you control can't be countered and that would be a really sexy card if counter spells were at all present in standard and or modern they, they printed occasionally they print answers that don't have threats but this time they've printed a. Th- no, wait, I did that backwards. No, no, you were, set- you were right. You were right. I mean, the, there there was a time when a- cards that could answer blue um, were a big deal. It's and- like if they had printed. It's like if they had printed glaring spotlight, but hexproof wasn't in the block. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, the it, maybe they're we're getting some new counter spells. Maybe that's the thing. But the. I mean, otherwise, this card is not of interest to me. I don't see it getting played in modern until blue becomes a thing again. Um, they give us back Jace the Mind Sculptor, which I don't think is likely. Um, or they introduce a, you know, two mana counter spell that makes a difference in the format. Um, because they keep giving tools to the control decks in modern and they keep not showing up. I mean, we're largely in a format of um, synergistic aggro decks versus uh, combo control decks. 
Um, but full control, you know, even the Grixis control and blue white control decks have not been making great showings. Although I do hear that the blue white, there are some blue white builds right now that are, uh, set up excellent in, in set up really well to counter the death shadow decks because they can use things like condemn to exile a creature and give their opponent life at the same time, potentially getting a two for one. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Um, even mind sensor, by the way, uh, has been like close to $20, but that is definitely a $2 card now, maybe coming in as a uh, as a rare is just going to smash that price and it's really not played much in modern anymore and it's going to smash the future site frames because people don't like those frames anyway and this art is way better so everyone's going to switch over to versions of the new printing um that's not a card i want to be anywhere near right now yeah i agree uh any other thoughts here uh, I think that's it for now. The uh, Some of the basic lands look really sweet for this set. Um, others look absolutely terrible. Um, there's a green one <laughs> that looks like it's straight out of Mirage Block that I'm not too pleased with. Um, but a couple of the other ones, uh, there's a mountain one with the sun setting over a bunch of pyramids. That one looks pretty nice. Oh, um, did you see they're doing full art foils for this? Yeah, and there are, I can't remember what the distribution rate is, but it was something about uh, occasionally showing up, right? Uh, I, I didn't hear anything. All I saw was that someone posted the picture in my Facebook chat, so I didn't catch the information about it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll track down the proper uh, notes on that for next week, and we'll I'm sure we'll have plenty of follow-up because next week will be a full spoiler week for Amonkhet, and we will have lots to talk about. Yeah, but I mean, that is worth – so we will, but you know, this is – the piece of information here is that we are getting full art foil basics of different artwork, not the ones that we've seen on like uh, Mythic Spoiler so far for the normal lands um, in this set. So full art lands are a semi-permanent now. Um, we don't know if they're, they're not going to be in every set, but we're going to see them regularly at this point and possibly in every set. Uh, so we'll go ahead. I opened a bunch of boxes of Russian Battle for Zendikar, and I have a, a bunch of foil basics, uh, foil basic Russians that I should definitely unload in a hurry because yes. they, they go for like $15, $20, $25 each, depending on which ones they are. Some of the Noah Bradleys are even more. Um, I don't think I want to be holding them um, not knowing how this is going to play out. Right. Where I was going with this is that, you know, after the first Zendikar foil, full arts were very worthwhile and i probably wrote an article at least one article myself forever ago about how they were going to be good pickups in um, battle for zendikar but that is right out the window now so uh if you've got any base like i think wastes is probably safe ish um because that's not something that we're going to see regularly but uh, other than that i don't want to be holding on to full art foils anymore well i mean part of this depends on how good the art is right like some of the even in the zendikar blocks um some of the art that is uh not particularly great is not in high demand um as i said the noah bradley stuff goes for more um i the the art on the lands for this set looks like a real mixed bag i see I would say, in generally, art for this set looks kind of hit or miss. I mean, if you compare the art on Renewed Faith and Prowling Serpopard to the Even Mind Sensor art, um, you know, I'm seeing huge variance in quality. Right. So we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. Yep. Okay. All right. Now we really are going to wrap this up. Uh, where can our listeners find you, James? You guys can find me uh, on Twitter at MTG Critic, as well as via my weekly articles on MTGPrice.com. And I am on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Monday for MTG Price, uh, except for this past Monday I was out and about. And uh, I show up on Cartel Aristocrats, the webcast, uh, most Mondays. 
I would also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 61. I think that's the correct number. I'm pretty sure we got back on track with that. Uh, so thanks for joining us this week, James, and I will, uh, I'll see you next week. Good to have you back from Hawaii, Travis, and we'll see you guys all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Mm-hmm.